Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. So we're going to be in uh, Isaiah chapter number 60. This, uh, this message here this morning, I, I wanted to give you a couple thoughts here uh, about a prophecy that we find in the book of Isaiah concerning Christ's first coming, but uh, you'll also notice that it also has a kind of an overlapping um, uh, prophecy as well about his second coming, but um, <clears throat> this uh, message is not a Christmas message per se, um, but it is a message about the hope that was brought to the world through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And you'll see that as uh, we work our way through it. Um, but the fact that Christ himself took on flesh and he lived among us, uh, lived in this world, and um, walked among his creation and suffered, died, and resurrected, um, it is a, it's a tremendous message of hope uh, that, uh, that was brought to us. And we must remember that although we don't know the month or the day or the year of Christ's birth, uh, the Bible's not specific on that. Uh, it was foretold, though. It was announced, and it was celebrated as the heavenly host, right? Uh, they sang, glory to God in the highest. And uh, so even though the, the scripture doesn't give us specifics about Christ's birth, uh, day-wise, but we do see the fact that they, it was celebrated and uh, it was something that uh, was expected and that they rejoiced about that. And so we're going to read these uh, first few verses here in Isaiah chapter number 60. And uh, we're going to put everything in its context. And then I'd like to uh, look at this, for us to look at this hope that uh, Christ brings. So Isaiah chapter number 60, beginning verse number 1, <clears throat> says here, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around, and see, they all gather together. They come to you, your sons shall come afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant, your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Now, this prophetic message that Isaiah paints for us is no doubt about the coming of Jesus Christ. Isaiah gives us in detail about the glory of the Lord that would shine. And there are things in this prophecy that deal particularly with just Israel and also... It speaks of the future kingdom of Christ when he shall reign as rightful king on this earth. And that's something that we should be looking forward to. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But nonetheless, it's still a prophetic writing here 
about Jesus Christ and the glory in which he would bring by being born. Now, in the preceding chapter in Isaiah 59, it tells us that Jesus is coming. If you, if you read it and, and see a few of the things, for example, in verse number 20, it tells us here that the Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins. Listen to what Isaiah says about his coming in uh, verses 15 through 19 in uh, Isaiah 59. It paints this picture of the coming king in all of his glory. In verse 15, it tells us truth is lacking, and he who departs from it departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put upon garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands. He will render repayment, so they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and, from, and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And so we see Christ here. He has righteousness as body armor. He has placed on his head the helmet of salvation and he's clothed with a robe of vengeance and he has wrapped himself in divine passion and he is coming like a raging flood tide driven by the very breath of the Lord. This is our coming king when he comes and he's going to reign and rule forever. And we should know the backstory when this prophecy was written because I believe by knowing the situation, the nation of Israel was in will help us draw some important truths about this proclamation from the Lord. So what exactly was the condition of Israel at the time of this prophecy? Well, Israel was a divided nation at this time. After the death of Solomon and during the reign of his son Rehoboam, as prophesied in 1 Kings 11, 31-35, the house of Israel was divided. You had two kingdoms, basically, around 975 B.C. There was the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, which consisted of ten tribes. Then there was the southern kingdom, called Judah, which consisted of the two tribes, Judah and a majority of the tribe of Benjamin. But during Isaiah's time here, the northern and southern kingdom was in impending destruction from the foreign power of the Assyrians. God had allowed this foreign power to bring destruction on his nation because of Israel's apostasy of 200 years and 19 kings from eight different families. Israel had allowed idolatry, sexual and personal immorality, and political corruption to take root in her nation. They had puppets for a president, excuse me, sorry, I mean for a king that just went along with whatever. Some of you will get that later, it's all right. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? And after a three-year siege... Assyria 
finally comes in and conquers Israel and carried them off to Assyria in 722 B.C. The southern kingdom, however, Judah, had submitted to the rule of the Assyrians, and Assyria allowed the southern kingdom to remain in their land as long as they would be obedient to them. But that didn't last long when the king of the southern kingdom, which was a godly king, King Hezekiah, rebelled against the foreign powers and the southern kingdom was besieged under the Assyrian rule of King Sennacherib in 586 B.C. Now this was a difficult time to be living in. Listen how Isaiah describes the times of this in Isaiah 59, 8 through 10. He says they don't know where to find peace or what it means to be just, to be just and good. They have mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. So there is no justice among us and we know nothing about right living. We look for light but find only darkness. We look for bright skies but walk in gloom. We grope like the blind along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. Even at the brightest noontime, we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living, we are like the dead. This was a message that Isaiah brought at a time of evil, oppression, difficulty, struggle, rejection, war, and destruction. And this message of a proclamation of a coming king that's going to robe himself in vengeance, a king that's going to uh, armor himself in righteousness, is coming. It was a message of hope. In Isaiah 60, we read about this powerful, prophetical message about Jesus. Isaiah's words bring a message of hope, light, and strength to what, this, what seems almost a hopeless situation. Even in our deepest depravity, the message of Christ and the gospel always brings hope. Always. And this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. The message of Christ is a message of hope, light, and strength to all those who believe and receive its message. So let's take a look at this fantastic message of hope that Christ's coming brings. Here's a few things that I want you to notice. Number one, there is hope because of God's declaration. God's message to the nation of Israel was this. Notice what he says, arise and shine. Arise and shine, he tells them. This was a glorious rescue because of a Savior that would be born and establish His kingdom to rule. Arise and shine. Yes, I know that the, that, that the situation looks bleak and everything looks horrible right now. But I want you to arise and shine because of Jesus who is coming the prophet Isaiah saw forward into a time and sees the nation as a glorious light. In fact, chapter 60 through 62 really lay out for what this glory of the Lord will do for the nation if you continue on reading. Notice some things here in this text. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. He says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but then nation shall come to your light. 
Here's a nation that is under impending doom and judgment, but yet God tells them, arise and shine. You see, when we turn on the news, what do we hear about that's going on in the nation of Israel? The Palestinians are fighting over it. Islam is trying to take it over. Rockets are being fired from the Gaza Strip. Lies and anti-Semitism against God's people are being uh, proclaimed. Nations have fought over this little piece of land for centuries. But yet God is going to bring his glory back to that nation when he returns. And he's saying, arise and shine. Know that I'm coming. In Luke chapter 21 through uh, verse 24, Jesus said, Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Isaiah saw this nation as a destroyed, defeated nation, but God gave him a glimpse of that great day when all, that would be, when all of that would be passed. He saw when the nation would shine. Why? Because the glory of the Lord would rise upon it. This is the proclamation that God makes here. Light has come. That's a glorious message. Light has has come. That is the message that we as believers should be proclaiming to this dark world. Light has come. The glory of Jesus has come. And that is the Lord Jesus himself. He will be the nation's light. But notice that before this light can come, it has to go through darkness. Notice what he says here. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Darkness over the earth. And notice this, I love this. Not just darkness in the people, but thick darkness in the people. So really, this darkness is both physical and spiritual. When our Lord was born, he brought light into the world because, as John says, he was that true light who gives light to everyone. In Luke chapter 1, verses 78 through 79, uh, it talks about that when Jesus was born on this earth, it says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And notice this about God's proclamation in this prophecy here, verse number 6. It says, people from Midian and Ephah and those from Sheba will come to see this brightness, this great light. It says they will bring gold and frankincense. Does that sound familiar? What's missing, though? Myrrh. Why does Isaiah not mention myrrh here? You see, gold was symbolic of his deity and his glory. It speaks of his shining perfection. Frankincense was an ointment of, or perfume. It was symbolic of the fragrance of a sinless life of perfection. Myrrh, however, is a bitter herb. It was symbolic of the sufferings he would endure by bearing the sins of the world. But why is myrrh not mentioned here in this prophecy? Because Christ is speaking about his second coming. Coming in power and glory. You see, this was always what, what the nation of Israel always struggled with. 
You see, they saw these prophecies of Christ coming. And when Christ did show up on the scene, they were looking for somebody who was going to reestablish his kingdom. But instead, what did he do? He went to the cross, didn't he? And he suffered. They thought, oh, no, that's not him. That's not the king we're looking for. But it is the king. And he is going to establish his kingdom in righteousness when he comes in his power and glory. You see, remember the picture that Isaiah gives to us in the previous chapter about his coming. He has his armor on, his divine passion and vengeance, and his coming as a raging flood tide driven by the very breath of God. You say, what does this have to do with me, with you and me then? Well, obviously this prophecy is to be interpreted as speaking to the nation of Israel, but in Christ's first coming, he brought light to those who sat in darkness. When we come to know Christ as we are born again, we come to know him as light. And I sure hope you have experienced that light. I sure hope that you have received Christ as your Savior and have been brought out of darkness and into light. Listen to just a few verses here in the New Testament dealing with Jesus as our light and how we are to allow his light to be at work in our lives. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I just love that picture there of, of what Isaiah is talking about, how they were groping in the darkness. A couple, uh, about a week ago, we never really shut our bedroom door in our, in our uh, house there. But we just so happened to shut it this time because, well, our dog's having some issues and she was barking and all this stuff, so we shut the door. Well, I forgot that the door was shut. Well, I got up in the middle of the night and it was dark and I couldn't really see and I'm sitting there going like this and I literally ran right into the door. And I think about that so much that People that are without Christ, they are spiritually blind. But yet Jesus has come to bring light, to bring you into light, so no longer you are walking in darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory, displayed in the face of Christ. 1 John 1, 5-7 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. Let's look at one more together here. And I really want you to see this as it's written for us in the New Testament. Hold your place here in Isaiah and turn with me over to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. And I, I think about these verses here, what hope this is that has been brought to you and I who know Christ, and what hope there is for those that do not know Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, look at with me beginning verse number 8. Paul says, for at one time you were darkness. Not that you were in darkness, but that you were darkness. 
You see the depravity there? He says, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I don't think we realize how much hope Christ has brought us through the salvation that he gave us. You were darkness. We were darkness. Not that we were, you know, good and we just had a little bit of problems. No, we were darkness. But what has Christ done? He's brought us into light. Here we are, groping around, can't find anything, having no direction in our life. We're spiritually dead. And yet, through the gospel, Christ has brought us into light. Verse 9, he says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, notice this. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. You see the tie back there to the book of Isaiah? Arise and shine. The light of the Lord has come upon you. You see, these verses are describing what our lives were before we came to know Christ, before the message of hope changed us, before the message of hope changed our outcome and our direction in life. And he tells us to awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So if Christ has come to bring us light as we were in our darkness, he is describing to show his light on our lives and wants our lives now to proclaim that light, to live out that light before others. And we do this by walking in the light. So what is God's declaration to you and me? Arise and shine, light has come. Let's look at a second thing here. There is hope because of God's glory. Now, I love this. Look with me again back in Isaiah 60. He says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But I love this. But the Lord. What a hope-filled message there. But the Lord. But the Lord. Here they are. It's dark. It's desperate. It's bleak, but the Lord. Light has come. Notice what he says here, and I love this about his glory. And he's telling us about God's presence. You see, God is always concerned about one thing, and that's his glory. Always. Notice the word in this text, and it's the word glory here. He says, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That word glory there literally means weight or heaviness. And it can also mean a manifestation of power specifically 
in reference to the presence of God. In fact, God uses glory as one of his names. This word glory also carries with it a high status of honor and respect and implies a show of reverence or respect through worship. So when Isaiah says here that his glory will be seen upon you, he is saying to this nation that just as the sun rises and shines over the earth, God's presence is rising on Israel. And that presence can be seen in great power. This glory is what God uses to make himself known to man. We see several times throughout God's word that his presence, his glory was among his people. He led them through the wilderness in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He later dwelt among them in the tabernacle in the Ark of the Covenant. But something happened to this nation. This nation was now in darkness. They groped in darkness. The glory of the Lord had departed. The presence of God was no longer in their midst. God remained silent for 400 years to this nation. And they were in darkness. But something amazing happened. We read about it in John 1.14 concerning Christ. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his what? His glory. The glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. So when Isaiah says here to arise and to shine... He was announcing that God is in your midst once again. But this time his glory is not dependent upon our righteousness, but solely on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 59, 16 says this, He saw that there was no one to intercede, then his own are brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. See, this is such a hope-filled message because of the hope that, the, that what Jesus Christ has done for us, we have no righteousness of our own. It's solely upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we are saved. Nothing that we bring. Nothing. But what does this message of God's glory mean for us as followers of Christ? Notice the words here, but the Lord. Look what was proceeding in those words, darkness. Darkness, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Maybe you have found yourself in this place before. I'm going through a difficult trial, but the Lord. I don't know what to do, but the Lord. I feel like everything is falling apart, but the Lord. I don't think I will make it through this troubling time, but the Lord will arise upon you and His glory, His power, His manifested presence will be seen upon you, is what Isaiah is saying. We're reminded in Philippians 4.13, it's a great reminder of being content in any situation and circumstance because of our relationship with Christ. He says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So the glory of the Lord is literally God himself amongst his people in great power and strength, and that's what this prophecy is all about. The fact that God himself would dwell amongst his people. 
And that is just what he did. And this is the Christmas message, the glory of the Lord shining into the darkness. Let's look at the last thing here. There is hope because of his promise. I think this third one is great because God's promises are tied to who he is. This is why we can always trust God. Because God never changes. We can always depend and trust upon his promises. Oh, don't trust man. Don't trust man. This man's going to fail you. But we can trust God. His light and glory speak volumes about a God who keeps his promises. Notice the text here. He says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord, mark it here, has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light. Three of those, has risen, will arise, will be, shall come. Three of those statements are future but one of them is present tense, has risen. Why? Why, is, why the difference? Now remember their state. They were in darkness. Christ had not yet come to establish his kingdom. But yet God said the Lord has risen upon you. Oh man, do you not see the gospel in this? In that while we were yet sinning, Christ died for us. In the fact that we were in the very state of darkness and not being in fellowship with God, Christ died for us. Even the fact that we were not even yet born yet, Christ died for us. The glory of the Lord has risen. The glory of Christ has come. The light of the Lord has shone upon us and it has risen upon us. Even though they had forsaken God, walked contrary to his ways, disobeyed and rebelled, God says, get up and shine like you once did because I have risen upon you. And this speaks volumes of hope, mercy, and grace that our Lord displays to us as well. God's promises seem to always remain even though we fail him so many times. His steadfast love is never dependent on what we can or cannot do, but his love and goodness is dependent upon his son, Jesus Christ. Lest we forget about his promises, let me remind you of what Christ has done for us. In Romans 8, it says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all those things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
See, this is a message to arise and shine. It's a message because when we arise and shine during the darkness, we are showing forth the promises of God. Notice the glory of this message. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So this Christmas, may we be reminded of, a, of this glorious message that light has come. That God has been brought into our very midst. And no matter what the situations, no matter what, if we know Christ, we are in that light. And so may the Lord help us to do so. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.